the What Would It Take podcast is co-produced by Anabaptist World and me, Ben Tapper. The views expressed here are my own and do not necessarily represent the official positions of Anabaptist World. To learn more, visit anabaptistworld.org. Hey everyone, Uh, this episode is a little different than normal, which I feel like I say every episode. So at this point, do I even have a normal uh, format for this podcast? Probably not, but it's fine. We're in season three. It's bound to come off the rails at some point, right? But I do want to talk about sports today. And as I look at the state of the U.S., I keep coming back to one question or observation, and it's about the power of the stories we tell. See, we can use stories to arouse fear and drive harmful legislation, like we discussed in our last episode. Stories can also ignite hope and fuel revolutions. Stories can solidify beliefs, which we use to make life-altering decisions about marriage and divorce or building a family or changing careers. And stories allow us to interpret life and make sense of the world around us. So I want to take a couple minutes today and just explore this notion about the stories we're telling. And, and really, I'm wondering, what stories are we telling? And one lens I want to use to look at that is the GOAT debate in the NBA. So this week on the What Would It Take podcast, we're going to evaluate the question, what would it take to settle the GOAT debate? Listen in. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with sports acronyms, GOAT is not referring to a cute little animal. Uh, GOAT is an acronym or an abbreviation. It means greatest of all time. Who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? And in the NBA, that discussion often comes down to two players, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. And one story that's gotten a lot of attention this year in the NBA is the story of how LeBron James just broke the NBA's all-time scoring record. In his 20th season, he's now officially the highest scoring player ever in the National Basketball Association. It's a record that many people once considered untouchable, and it has reignited this debate over who's better, LeBron or Jordan. And when most people have this debate, they go straight for the statistics, and the statistics are pretty impressive, I'm not going to lie to you. If we take Michael Jordan, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, if you will, he's 6-0 in NBA Finals. That means that he has won six NBA championships and he's never lost one. He's never even gone to a Game 7. Jordan won 10 scoring titles, 5 NBA MVPs, 1 Defensive Player of the Year, and 6 NBA Finals MVPs. He also did all of this while averaging 30 points a game over a 15-year career. His resume is amazing. LeBron is 4-6 and in the NBA Finals. Yeah, he's got as many Finals losses as Jordan has wins. LeBron's got one scoring title, four NBA MVPs. He is the NBA's all-time leading scorer, and he's also top five all-time in assists. And LeBron has averaged 27 points, seven rebounds, and seven assists over a 20-year career. And he's probably got a few more years left in him, if we're being honest. So both have impressive careers, but who's better? Jordan was part of two three-peats and led his team to a 72-10 record one year. LeBron, on the other hand, went to eight straight NBA Finals, which is literally unthinkable in the modern era. 
Does the answer to this question actually affect any of us day to day? No, not at all. Not unless you're in a barbershop. But the stories we tell about our sports heroes highlight what we value. And that's why I want to focus on this example. So what are the stories we tell about Michael and LeBron say about our society and what our society values? Well, if we take a step back and look at the broader picture of Michael Jordan's story, we can see that he came from a middle-class family and was famously cut early on in his high school basketball career. He was a late bloomer of sorts, but by his senior year in high school, he went on to average 29 points a game before going to North Carolina and leading them to a national championship. He was then drafted third overall by the Chicago Bulls, and he had a very impressive NBA career, as we've already outlined. During his first few years in the league, Jordan was known as a prolific scorer, but he didn't have much postseason success. That is, until Scottie Pippen was drafted and Phil Jackson became his head coach. Once that trio united, the Bulls were unstoppable. Jordan went from getting knocked out early in the playoffs by teams like the Detroit Pistons and Boston Celtics to winning three championships in a row. He then retired and returned a couple years later to win another three straight championships. Jordan was undefeated at the highest levels of competition. And as many folks will tell you, once Jordan started winning, he didn't stop. That's why many consider him the GOAT. LeBron's story is different on a number of levels. LeBron came from a more tumultuous family situation. His dad wasn't around and his mother struggled to provide a stable environment for him. His mom, Gloria, was really young when she had him and she hadn't even finished high school. By the time James was nine, she decided it was in his best interest if she let him stay with his football coach so he'd have more stability. It was a really difficult decision, but she did what she thought was in the best interest of her son. And James was then introduced to basketball. And fast forward another eight years. By the time he was 17, James went from moving in and out of foster care to sleeping on a coach's couch to being labeled as the chosen one and gracing the cover of Sports Illustrated. LeBron was drafted straight out of high school by the Cleveland Cavaliers. He had success, but he couldn't get over the hump and win a championship. So he moved to Miami and joined fellow superstars Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch to form a super team. And that super team went on to win two rings. After winning those two rings in Miami, LeBron then went back home to Cleveland and brought a championship to his hometown Cavaliers by coming down from a three-game deficit. The 2016 Cavs became the only team in NBA history to come back from a 3-1 deficit, and win an NBA Finals. After his historic run of Finals appearances, James went to the Los Angeles Lakers and won yet another championship during the 2020 pandemic-shortened season. And now in his 20th year in the league, he's become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Both are great stories, right? But I left out a key detail that many people use against LeBron. See, in his first year in Miami, when expectations were high, people expected them to just roll through the league and win chip after chip after chip. And for those that don't know, the chip is just a shortened way to talk about a championship. But that's not what happened with the Heat that first year. They famously got knocked out in the NBA Finals by the Dallas Mavericks, who on paper were a far inferior team. 
And to make matters worse, not only did the Heat lose, but LeBron came up small in big moment after big moment during that series. See, LeBron utterly collapsed. During that Dallas Mavericks final series, he had the worst public meltdown of his career and arguably the worst public meltdown of any superstar we've ever seen in the NBA. At the time, he was the best player in the game, but he folded when it counted. And as a result, his team got beat. They shouldn't have lost, but they did. And LeBron took the blame. He was criticized and accused of not being able to make it under pressure. Jordan never failed when the lights were their brightest. He never folded the way that LeBron folded. And that's often used as a reason why LeBron will never surpass Michael Jordan. But I see it differently. Don't get me wrong, LeBron failed. He failed horribly. But it's what he did after failing that is so intriguing to me. Because right after that embarrassing collapse in the finals, they came back the next year and won a championship. And then they came back the year after that and did it again. Back-to-back championships. Two finals rings, two finals MVPs. And I think he won another regular season MVP on top of all that. See, LeBron had the worst public moment of any NBA superstar and yet came back on top. When we tell the story of Michael Jordan, we're telling a story about perfection and utter dominance. He never lost in the finals. He couldn't be beaten. And while that's cool and all, it's not the story that resonates with me or my life experience. I don't know what it's like to be perfect, but I do know what it means to fail. I failed a lot. I know what it means to feel embarrassed and to fall short when I probably shouldn't have, or at least I didn't think I should have. I know what it means for things to fall apart in ways I never expected or imagined, and for my life plan to be destroyed before I have a chance to live it out. Maybe you do too. Maybe you know failure intimately. Maybe you know what it means to have a life that doesn't go at all like you hoped or expected it would. I think most of us probably do. And that's why LeBron's story is the story that appeals to me more than Jordan's. Because perfection is unattainable for most of us. That kind of dominance isn't something that we get a chance to live out. But we all get a chance to fail. So for LeBron to fail as spectacularly as he did, and then climb out of that and win four championships while becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer, that's phenomenal to me. It's a testimony to resilience and perseverance, not to mention his life started very differently than Jordan's. LeBron should have never made it to the NBA. He shouldn't have had a chance to sniff success or greatness, but he did. And so to not only make it out of the hood and to make it from a marginalized community and in a rough background, He made it to the NBA, and then he failed after he got there and still climbed back out. If that's not resilience, I don't know what is. And to me, his story is a reminder that we may not always be perfect. In fact, we'll probably lose a lot along the way. But we can learn from every loss we take and keep growing, keep changing, and keep evolving To me, that's the story of LeBron, and it's why I say he's the GOAT. His story, his journey, his path is one that I can find more meaning in for myself. It inspires me in ways that perfection and unchecked dominance just 
can't. But whether you like Jordan or LeBron, or actually more likely, if you're listening to this, you couldn't care less about either of them. You are still telling stories about life. You're still telling stories about success and failure, about what it means to win and lose. So what stories are you telling yourself, your children or your grandchildren? See, remember, my whole point in this episode isn't to talk about the NBA. It's not to hype up Braun or Jordan. They don't need it. They've got all the shine they're going to get. But I do think it's important that we think about the stories we're telling because stories are a vehicle for delivering deep truths and arousing intense emotions. And the way you tell a story, the things you focus on, the lens you use can make all the difference. So I want to invite you to do some reflection. Take some time and think about a story that is foundational for you. Maybe it's a family narrative that's been passed down for generations or a story of your favorite hero or idol that you want to tell, or maybe it's a story from your faith tradition. Whatever it is, dust it off and examine it. What are the lessons in this story? What are the morals it holds? What is this story asking you to believe or do? Now let's take it a step further. Tell this story to someone who's never heard it before and ask them what they hear in it. Now this is important. Ask them without expectation. Ask them without judgment. Just honestly ask them with curiosity and see what they tell you they hear in your story. Then ask yourself how your relationship with this story may have changed over time. What relationship do you want to have with this story right here and right now? So that's your homework for the week. Share a story with someone, then spend some time reflecting on it. And if you get uncomfortable, that's okay. That may be a sign that growth is around the corner and you're being invited to a different relationship with this story. It doesn't mean it's bad or good. It just means you're evolving and shifting and you're inviting yourself to understand the story in a way that aligns more closely with who you are now and who you're becoming. And I think that's probably a beautiful thing. So what would it take to settle the GOAT debate? Well, we may never know the answer, but we've got some sharing to do. So let's get started. Thank you for listening to this episode of the What Would It Take podcast. I'm so glad you're with me on this journey. And if you have questions, ideas, or suggestions for the show, please reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram as Thoughtful Revolutionary. On Facebook, it's Benjamin J or Benjamin Joseph Tapper. Or you can email me at benjaminjtapper at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. And I can't wait to join you for the next episode. Take care, y'all.